0: You are listening to The Partner Podcast, relevant information to enhance the careers and improve the lives of partner-level attorneys. Produced by The Attorney Search Group, we grow law firms and accelerate attorney careers. Visit us on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. Hi, this is Scott Love, and thanks for joining me on The Partner Podcast. Today's guest is Lisa Ryan. Lisa helps organizations develop employee engagement strategies that keep their top talent from becoming someone else's. Lisa is an award-winning speaker and best-selling author of 10 books, including Manufacturing Engagement. She is the past president of the National Speakers Association of Ohio and received her MBA from Cleveland State University. So I've got with me on the show today, Lisa Ryan, who's the Chief Appreciation Strategist at Gratigy. And Lisa, I appreciate you participating on the show today.
1: Oh, absolutely. We're going to be talking about how to keep your top talent from becoming someone else's. Now, what's interesting, I like the
0: fact that we have a parallel career, that you used to do recruiting, aka headhunting. And so you and I both know that some people are easy to recruit, and it's not necessarily about their compensation. It might be about the leadership there and other variables. So, so I'm just kind of curious, within the history of your company, what was the idea behind getting Gratitude started?
1: When I first started Gratigy, it actually started with myself, um, getting involved with a gratitude practice with friends, frankly. We went to a four-day seminar that included a fire walk, And at the end of it, we were driving home. We were all jacked up. You might actually say we were fired up. I know, but <laughs> I'm And we knew that unless we took action Things would go back to where they were before, and we didn't want that to happen again. So we opened up a Facebook thread, and every day we shared, you know, things we learned, experiences that we had. And one of my friends said, why don't we share three things that we're grateful for? And that single practice changed my life. It changed everything about it. It it took my sales career to brand new levels. All this stuff was happening, and I knew to the core of my being that that was the message I was supposed to come bring to corporate America. But my friend uh, who was, had a very successful business kind of patted me on the arm and she said, you know, nobody's ever going to pay you for that, right? <laughs> because it was 2009 and we weren't talking about gratitude. We weren't talking about employee appreciation or recognition at that time, but we were starting to talk about employee engagement. Mm-hmm. So, I switched the language so that corporate America would understand the benefits of it and basically gave them the exact same message. Because when it comes down to it, employee engagement. By creating those gratitude strategies or strategies, creating that culture of appreciation in the workplace, that's what, what works. And since 2009, there's been so much research done. I mean, you can't open the Wall Street Journal or New York Times or any business publication without somebody giving you some idea as far as how to engage, recognize, and retain your employees.
0: Mm. That's critical, isn't it?
1: It is. So let me ask you this: When you talk about gratitude,
0: come on, we're hardcore business people. We don't have feelings here. We're all we're all about, and the people listening—they're all—they're all attorneys. They don't have emotions. Come on, what? How does this work? Tell me what's the big idea with gratitude? How can that be a business a variable within business? What, what are you talking about here with that?
1: Well, first of all, I always start with the person themselves because there is a ton of research about what happens when people have a regular practice of gratitude. Some examples, they exercise more than an hour and a half week more than other people. They complain less often. The physical ailments, they have fewer autoimmune diseases, neuromuscular diseases. They're more happy, joyful, enthusiastic, all of these types of things. And there's research to show it. I specialize in talking to manufacturing organizations. So if you think about the grittiest, manliest, most testosterone-filled meeting rooms on the planet, that's who I'm speaking to. And I'm bringing these concepts to them and they get it. Because when you can see the benefits for yourself that, hey, if I use some of these practices and now I have less stress and I have a better relationship with my spouse and holy cow, it's working great with my kids and my friendships are better. Now I can take that better me into the workplace and it's easier for me to recognize the people who are working for me. Because if you don't recognize people, if you are one of those guys that are saying, you know what? Why should I thank them for doing a job? That's what a paycheck's for. Yeah. They are going to do exactly enough work so that they don't get fired. Yeah. Because you are probably paying them exactly enough so that they don't quit. <laughs> that's right, that's right. But if you take the time and you specifically recognize them, because I know some of the people on the call are going, oh, that Lisa Ryan woman told me I got to thank five people there. All right, thank, you. Thank you. Right. thank right. you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That was five, right? Check. <laughs> it doesn't work. But when you're specifically looking for what people are doing well and acknowledging it, now that person knows that, hey, my boss is paying attention. Hey, I'm making a valuable contribution here. Hey, I'm putting 80 hours a week in here. Yes, I know that. But people are appreciating my efforts and I'm being recognized and that's what I'm looking for. Because if you're not those people are going to be ripe for the picking. For people like Scott, they're going to mm-hmm. come in and remove that talent because your people aren't connected to your organization. That's right. So what have
0: you seen in terms of changes with the people that you consult to? Give me some examples of that. And, and how does a manager become that person that does lead in that sort of way?
1: You know, there's so many examples. I had one of my clients, a textile manufacturing company, that they created an employee experience committee. It was people from different departments within the plant, from the office, on the shop floor, in the maintenance department, everybody around to see what do employees want instead of managers just guessing. Mm -hmm. And one of the things they found in this shop was that people wanted to listen to music. They have 200 employees. You can't have rap blasting over here and classical and rock over there. So they said, okay, well, how can we make this work? And what they ended up doing was, hey, what about if we let people wear earbuds at work or wear one earbud? From a safety standpoint, they could still hear what's going on, but everybody gets to listen to whatever music that they wanted to. This company, by doing that and taking other steps too, What they did is they gave the employees what they wanted without it costing them any extra time, no extra money. And this company, who's not the payest, that's not the highest paying organization in that city, is maintaining their turnover rate has gone from, you know, 60% to less than 10% in the years that they have focused it. Now I have to tell you really quick because I was at a polymer plant today and how cool is this? One of the things that they have found with the people on their shop floor is that some of them you know, have problems with shelter. Either they can't, you know, they have bad credit and they can't get a house and they can't get a loan. This company actually purchased a house recently that they are rehabbing and they are going to offer it to one of their employees and give them below market rate rent. Now, the house is close to the plant. So, if their car breaks down, basically, they can walk to work. But And they're giving them affordable living. They learned this from another company that they had done it. This plant mm-hmm. actually had 27 homes that they were... Buying cheap, rehabbing, and then offering to their employees. So you can go the whole gamut when it comes to spending money from offering earplugs or earbuds over here to buying houses and everything in between. It's letting your creativity run wild to see what works with your culture, your people, and what they're looking for.
0: So, what are some examples that you've seen in the world of professional services? Because the people we're listening to or that are listening to this, they're leading associate. Level attorneys, a lot of times their leadership is with their peers, where they've got to lead a team of other partners on a project that they're doing for one of their clients, or a litigation team, or on a transactional team, or things like that. What what are some things that you've seen in that world that might be applicable for the people listening?
1: Well, one of the easiest things to do is how do you start your meetings? Do you, when you go into a meeting, you guys just go right into business and slam right into it and get, because, you know, nobody really likes meetings unless there's donuts there. Nobody likes them. So what if you started your meetings with people sharing 30 seconds of good news, one minute of good news, and it can be personal. It can be, you know, my kid's baseball team won the championship. It can be professional that, you know, we've been working with this case and we just closed it. So what it does is it allows us to build relationships, again, personally and professionally. Well, I've got to
0: tell you, I think that right there is a vein of gold for the people listening because the thing I've noticed is that with a positive spirit, there also comes an element of being vulnerable, where it's easy to put people down that might seem happier that might tend to care. And I, and I always say, don't confuse kindness with weakness. And so I've noticed that some law firm leaders that I've gotten really close to, they tend to be very self-aware, and they're very aware of the emotional context of the workplace. And this directs, relates to recruiting, like you know this from your time as a recruiter, is that when people leave organizations, there's always an emotional context to that. I've got probably about 20 partners that I'm working with at various phases, moving from one firm to another. And the number one reason that they have in common is because of leadership, because of people. Right. And I think that if somebody's listening and they, they heard you say, and I just know there's somebody listening that said, what, start with something happy? Are you kidding? I'm a lawyer. I'm not supposed to be happy. When people come to work every day, they want to be on a winning team. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to successful lawyers with large portable books of business that say it's all about the culture of the firm. And if a leader... Like what you mentioned is very deliberate and intentional to do things like that. That sends a signal to their colleagues that this is the spirit of the workplace that we want to have here at this firm. So, what are some other examples like that that you can think of in in a a, Uh, a law firm that they can really kind of ignite that sort of culture?
1: You know what? The handwritten note again. Oh my goodness, my hand. And for those of you who are are saying I can't do that, my handwriting's terrible. (laughs) Get over yourself and print. Okay. I had a gentleman, I was working with a client yesterday and the guy was talking about an experience that he had. He would, had finished a project. It was a big project. And the president of the company wrote a note letting him know how much he appreciated him and actually sent it to his home so that his wife could see it too. Okay. Mm. And I asked him, I said, really, how long ago was that? Five years ago. Five years ago, he got that note. And it meant so much because he created that moment that number one, he's still at the company. But number two, every single moment in business counts, no matter what you're doing. And we all have bad days. But the thing is that when you take the time to give somebody tangible Proof of your appreciation. One of the best tools that you have for that, you have on your desk right now. It's called the post it note or <laughs> sticky note if we're not doing trademarks. Right, right, right. But something with a smiley face, a great job, and I appreciate you, whatever, given to somebody at the exact perfect moment when they're doing something, now you've just given somebody tangible evidence of a job well done. So when they are having a bad day, maybe they go into that desk and they pull out that note and they, you know, think back to the days of when that person actually liked them. Mm So it just gives us that, that dopamine shot where we can feel that and we create moments and like I always say when you tell somebody you appreciate them you create a beautiful memory yeah that's but right. when you write it down you create a treasure that's, that's and when different. you are in business you're giving people treasure and think about the managing partners the partners of the organization if you take the time and you have that person who's busting their butt who's new with the firm and you recognize them in a handwritten note, doesn't it can be short, you know, that's gonna mean something to that person because otherwise they may not be hearing it. You know, people will say, Well, if I if I'm thanking people all the time, they're gonna get all cocky and they're not gonna do their job. Yes, they are. They will work harder for you if they know that they are appreciated.
0: You know, I've always noticed that back when I was in the navy. Here I was, I was, an, I was an ensign in the Navy. I go to the Naval Academy and I graduate from this school and I go to the, the fleet and I'm an officer in the Navy and every sailor hates two things. They hate the Navy and they hate officers. So you, you, can only, you can only get so much back from them and they'll only respect the authority that you have so much, but they'll respect the person even more. And one example I remember was that because I was I had to deal with the kind of sailors that would have tattoos of naked ladies on their arms. I mean that was what I got. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making this up. That's exactly. Here I am, a 22 year old ensign, fresh out of Annapolis, hanging around with salty sailors. I, yeah, and and I absolutely loved it because you earned their respect by making the correct decisions, and they would push you and they would test your integrity. And you had to give pushback sometimes and they would respect you. And I'll never forget that in leading people like that, they wanna be inspired. They wanna follow someone that chooses to make good decisions, the right decisions, and the authority will only get you so far. They choose, and I found that they would choose to give more in their work when they saw that they had respect for the people that they were following. What, What do you think about that concept?
1: I think that it's absolutely correct. One of the reasons I always think back to when that show, Undercover Boss, was on the air, Mm -hmm. you know, where the the president of the company would basically put on a bad wig, dye his teeth brown, and go undercover in his own organization – the reason why it worked until it got way too formulaic and sappy, but was the fact that the owners and presidents of these companies are rolling up their sleeves and they are experiencing what their people are experiencing, you know, mm-hmm. and they're willing to fail and they try it. A lot of times and leaders believe that, oh, you know, I have to be perfect all the time. I can't be vulnerable I can't let people see my weak side. There's nothing weak about it. When you see that level of respect that people have for you, actually, this was a law firm. I was speaking to a group and one of the women in the group worked for a law firm and they were in a corporate meeting and there was a part of the task that she neglected to do. And everybody at the meeting was just beating her up, verbally, I can't believe you did this, you really messed up, blah, blah, blah. They took a break and one of the partners came up to her and he said, you know, I didn't send you the email that you needed to do this part of the project. I am so sorry, this is totally my fault. So they went back in the meeting and this gentleman stood up and said, it's totally my fault. I messed up. It wasn't her. Hmm. And I said, okay, so when he did that, did you have more respect for him or Hmm. less respect for him? And of course, every single person in the room had more respect for him because he had the integrity to stand up, to admit when he was wrong, to be vulnerable and not to let somebody else throw somebody else under the bus who didn't deserve it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I really like your concepts a lot. And I think they directly apply this world of law firm environment. And the the interesting thing is that when I came into legal recruiting years and years ago, and I got into it because, as I told you before, I used to own a recruiter training company and I would consult to legal recruiters, and I saw that they're doing some pretty interesting work, and that's how I kind of got into it. And because I didn't have any preconceived ideas about the legal world, as here I am doing recruiting in that space, and I would look at the structure of a law firm, and I realized that A law firm is nothing more than a collection of peers held together only by conditional promises to each other. And that's it. That it's not a tangible entity where there's widgets that they make. It's a collection of people's intellectual knowledge and skills. And every day at the end of the day, the assets leave the building. And especially a partner that's successful that has a book, everybody wants that partner and the partner is not going to stay with the firm because of comp but because of the things that you're talking about. What are some things that you've seen that have kept leaders from having this sort of attitude? And I know that you have met with clients where you've consulted and they to them and they just don't get it. They just don't change. What why do you think that is? Why do you think some people just don't understand these concepts that you're talking about?
1: Well, A lot of it is based on the way that they were raised in their career. If they always had tough bosses and they never got any positive feedback and they never knew what it was like, that's what they're bringing into the workplace. You know, let's look again at undercover boss. Mm -hmm. You go and you, all of a sudden you make somebody a manager for this new person coming in and immediately what they do, you go scrub the toilets, you go do the work that I don't want to do, you do this you're not valuing people and they don't get it. The people that that do that, it's because that's the way that they were raised. So we're not going to change everybody. But you know, there's for, I've had two of the, you know, the best and the worst boss in my career. The the best boss is still one of my dearest friends, and I haven't worked for him since 2003. We're still in touch. Dale and I would get into knockdown, dragged out, F-bomb flying fights, <laughs> and yet I could celebrate with him when things were good. He would talk me off the ledge when they weren't. And He was a great boss because it was real. It was a real relationship. The worst boss that I ever had was the he who shall not be named, but (laughs) he was the one that you couldn't tell him anything other than what he wanted to hear. He was a true example of the emperor not wearing clothes. Right. And so from a leadership standpoint, you have to be okay with when you ask a question, you have to be okay with whatever answer that person gives you because their perception is their reality. And if you don't like the answer, you know, it's a thank you for sharing, put on your poker face and look for some seed of truth, look for something that you can do. But again, The numbers in Gallup, okay, we've been seeing since the 2000s that there's only 30% of employees who are actively engaged. That number has not changed. Sometimes it goes as high as 33%, sometimes it drops down to 28%, but 30% engagement. Now, there are some organizations out there That are at 75, 85, 90% engagement because they're doing the right things and they care and they're committed for the long term. There are other companies who they don't get it. They're never going to change. They create a horrible environment and they're down at 10 and 20%. And then they wonder why people are leaving. If you are unable to retain the people working for you and you don't know who it is, it's you.
0: (laughs) That's exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) (laughs) so that's the scientific model I appreciate that (laughs) (laughs) yeah if you can't see the problem then you're the problem that's exactly
1: and hilarious and and, and very uh, sad at the same time (laughs) well and people come in with you know they go to these seminars they go to these conferences they come back with a billion ideas they want everything instituted immediately, and they want change overnight. Sorry, your culture did not evolve overnight. It's not changing overnight. So when people are in my programs, I say, pick one thing. Pick one thing that you are committed to do for the long run, no matter what, to make a commitment because otherwise your people are saying, oh, no. He just went to another conference. Let's just ignore him for about two weeks so things will go back to normal. Because we're just used to that squirrel flavor of the week and it doesn't work. We make a commitment for the long term. That's what works.
0: Well, Lisa, I love your content. I think you've got some great ideas. And I know without any doubt that what you're talking about directly applies to the legal world and that there's usually a tangible benefit of people staying with companies and organizations and law firms when they follow leaders that take to heart what you're talking about. Uh, tell me, how can people, well, first, what type of work do you do? And then we'll talk about how people can find you.
1: Okay. Okay. I mostly keynoting and mm-hmm. speaking at conferences, whether it be a workout or break, up uh, workshop or breakout sessions. I also do consulting. I'm certified in DISC, which is a personality assessment. Which actually I've used for. I work with uh, CPA firms with managing partners. I've done several boot camps for them, mm-hmm. and. The reason why I bring that up is that one of the best tools that you have is an assessment, like a disk assessment, where you can understand how people are wired so that you can better communicate with them in the way that they need to be communicated with. So when I go in and I work with a team, that's always a great entry-level step, and I have a really different way of presenting DISC because we have a lot of fun, and it's, you know, my take on it. Before we get into the research, we have a little bit of fun with, you know, Lisa Ryan's view of the world of what those four personality standpoints look like, but I have been working with a couple different organizations for the last couple of years, they they have me twice a year coming into their leadership retreats for that. Mm. So really working with leadership teams because it has to start there. I can talk to HR all day long and People in the organization have power, but it's the leadership of the organization that sets the tone. So leadership retreats, leadership meetings. I've gone into places where I have one program for the leaders and then a different program for the employees. So it really comes down to I design programs customized to what my clients are looking for, the time they have, the budget they have, and what they're looking to accomplish. That's great. And how can people find you? We'll make sure to put this on the show notes, but what's your website address? LisaRyanspeaks.com.
0: That's great, Lisa. Thanks so much for being on the show. We'll have you back again. You've got great content and I look forward to talking with you again real soon. Thank you very much, Scott. Thanks for joining me. And if you have ideas or recommendations for this podcast, please email me at scott at attorneysearchgroup.com. For more information about the Attorney Search Group and the services I offer as a sports agent for partners who want to find a better platform, visit me on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.